Now I'm back out. I'm back playing with my tattooing again. Taking people down to Max's tattoo studio to get them fixed up and learn all I could from Max. Max explained to me how I could make my own, my own tattoo stencils. You bought plastic that was called acetate in a hobby shop, and they sold what they called a retractor. It was a scriber made out of metal with a little vice nozzle. And you stuck a heavy set pin in this nozzle, and you could put your plastic over a picture, and with this scriber you scratched and traced the picture onto the plastic stencil. Now with a little charcoal you put on the plastic stencil, and you rub that into the scratched out food, and then when you press that against an arm with a little Vaseline on it, the imprint would come onto the arm and you had a new plastic stencil, which was very helpful to me. He also explained to me about the ink and where he got the ink. There was a place in, in Manhattan, it was right near my parole officer's location. Well, this was the only ink company at that time, and probably for all times, that sold tattoo colors. And all they had was three colors. They had a red, a green that was hard as hell to put into the skin. It was a color of pea soup, a very dull red green. And you'd have to work it and work it into the skin. You worked it so much, the skin would become sore and raw and take a long time to heal. And then they had a brown. And that were the only tattoo colors around. But at least I knew where to get them. In visiting and talking with Max so many times, I got two more tattoos. A pirate girl on my right arm, on, on my wrist to my elbow. That was my pride and joy. Boy, that was pretty. On the wall, the pirate girl had her dress ripped, her top ripped, and one of her tits was sticking out. When Max got finished with the tattoo, the dress was all in one piece, and there was nothing sticking out. I said to her, hey, Max, you, you did this, you fucked up. It's supposed to be a tit sticking out. Max gave me a little pat on the top of the head and said, you ain't 21. You gotta be 21 to have naked women tattooed on you. And he chuckled. I got two more tattoos in the next year from Max. I also got a heart on my right arm on the upper part with a dagger through it. Me and my friend Ray, we each got the same tattoo. We were going to be blood brothers. Ray was the same character. <laughs> anyway, I got to know Max pretty good. Max told me how he was a professional prize fighter. He was a light heavyweight. And he fought a man named Flatsy Maxie Rosenblum for the championship. Well, Flatsy Maxie was the champ for many years taking on all comers. He won that fight with, with Max, and Max got the, his, his left eye, he lost the vision in his left eye in that fight. Max used to carry around a little mirror in his pocket, and every so often he'd lift up his sunglasses, stick that mirror up near his face, 
and wipe, wipe the pots and ooze that was coming out of that sore eye. They got the name One-Eyed Mac. <coughs> so, did my many trips back and forth to Coney Island. I'd go down and look in Blackie's doorway. I'd see, see Paulie. I'd laugh and smile with Paulie. Then one day, in Brooklyn Blackie's window, was a young fellow like myself tattooing. So I stood there and watched him for a while. This young fellow got up and came outside, introduced himself to me. He was Tony. I found out later he was nicknamed Tony the Pilot. Anyway, Tony said to me, you're the guy that bought that equipment for Mac, yes? I said, yeah, but I, I want to get some more. He said, well, he said, he, he don't sell tattoo equipment, he just does tattoos. He, he was upset that I was even had the equipment. It just meant another guy was going to be working, taking more, more customers away, which I understood. But I thought to myself, there's a young man like myself working in the tattoo shop. And that was my goal. That's what I wanted to do. By now, Max said I was getting pretty good. He said, he works Coney Island, Max does, in the summertime. He says, in the winter, there's no people in Coney Island. It's, it's a summer resort. He says, in the winter, he goes to Long Beach, California and tattoos. There's an amusement park there. And I would be welcome to come with him if I wanted to work with him. I said, that, geez, Max, that's wonderful. I, I'd like to do that. And he says, okay, you're getting good. He says, I want you to sign a paper that you'll work for me for the next five years. And he says, we'll have a good time, he says. I said, sure, that's no problem. So I signed a little paper. I didn't even read it. I didn't care. And I continued learning my tattooing, tattooing out of my father's house, doing whatever I could. And one day, one of my friends said that one of his friends works around Coney Island and that Brooklyn Blackie wanted to see me. Uh-huh. Now I said to my father, I don't know whether this man wants to give me a job or whether he wants to beat me up. So my father went down to Coney Island with me one Saturday, very early spring. We got to Brooklyn Blackie's shop. It wasn't open yet, and there was a group of a dozen guys standing around waiting for him to come in and open. So I proceeded to be handing them my business cards that they could get tattooed by me out in Long Island. When the guy tapped me on the shoulder and said, I'll take one of them cards, and here it was Brooklyn Blackie. Now Brooklyn Blackie was a strong man. He had a physique like a wrestler, a big barrelly chest, big arms that actually puffed up a, a t-shirt so bad you just took a look at him and you wouldn't want to fuck with this guy. So anyway, Blackie says, come on in, I want to talk to you. So I went in with him and he said, I've been 
singing some sad tunes you're doing on, on Clive. They said, I want to know if you'd like to work here. I said, yes, I would love to. <laughs> they said, all right. He said, you want to work here, right over here. They said, I work here. He said, we're going to have this other fellow from New Jersey, Tony the Pirate. He's going to work right here. He said, but when you get done working this, I don't want you to hang out with this Tony the Pirate. Because he's a tough guy. He's going to get you in trouble. He's a little crazy. I don't want you to hang with him when you're done working. I said, okay, no problem. I said, how much, how much would you pay me? He said, I'll give you 50% of everything you do. I said, well, that sounds nice, but I'd rather get $100 a week if I could. He said, you'll make more getting 50% of what you do. I said, listen, I'm willing to work seven days a week, long hours. Whenever you want me here, I'll be here. But I sure would like to make $100 a week. I wanted to make $100 a week because my father at that time was making $65 a week. That was a good, good salary for a man, $65 a week in the early 50s. So Blackie said, whatever you want. He said, bring your stuff down this Friday. He said, and you can work here Friday nights, Saturdays, Sundays. He said, it's early spring. We get a little action Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. He said, during the week there ain't enough. I'll do it myself until the summer sets in. Then I want you here seven days a week. I said, great, I was in heaven. So next week I brought my tattoo gear down. I set it up where Blackie showed me. I was now working with, a, I originally seen Tony the Pirate working almost in the window of Brooklyn Blackie's tattoo shop. And I forgot my, my foot pedal. So I had no way of turning the machine on and off. Brooklyn Blackie took an old needle bar, bent it in such a way and jammed it into my power pack, my power supply, so that it would run constantly. I couldn't shut it off with my foot pedal. I had a little switch on it that I could turn down and shut it off. But the machine, once I turned it on, it ran constantly. My first customer was a big black man, which was very unusual. Black people didn't get tattooed then. And he wanted his name on his arm. He, he had a very dark, dark skin. And I proceeded to write his name. And I wrote about three letters and reached back, back and dipped for more ink. And by the time I got across the counter to his arm, the ink was gone. The machine was just spitting it out. And I had to go back and get some more ink and go fast back to the arm. And now I couldn't see where I left off. And I was sweating, and Blackie looked over and said, you're having trouble, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, send him over here, I'll finish it. I said, okay, and the guy went over to Blackie's chair. Blackie said, come on over here and watch me. So I stood behind Blackie and watched him. He took the man's arm and squeezed it, and you could see the blood coming out where I had made my three letters. He said, here's where you left off, and he laughed. And he continued and finished the name. He then handed me the money that the man handed him and said, put that down in your notebook 
and put it in a cigar box and keep a little record of what you do. I said, okay, thank you. Then I worked Saturday. I brought my foot pedal with me the next day and I felt a little more relaxed. Everything was fine. Sunday I went to work. I got there early. I was there before Blackie when Blackie said we're going home and that was three in the morning. I was willing to stay. I said, you want me to stay? He said, no, we've done enough today. You come back tomorrow, we'll do some more. Sunday evening around six o'clock, a group of my friends came down to see me and they were going to go out drinking in Coney Island, have a few laughs. So Blackie says, add up what you did, we'll settle up. I said, okay, what'd you do? So I added it up, I counted the money in the cigar box and balanced out. I said, I did $340. He says, well, do you want half or do you want $100? And I laughed. I said, I'll take half. He said, I'll tell you what, keep it all. It's your first week. Go out and buy your friends a drink on me. Have a good time. See you back here next Friday. I said, thank you very much. And me and my friends went out to have a, a few laughs in the beer gardens in Coney Island. I don't want to go too fast here and get ahead of myself. And first few years in Coney Island and the launching of my tattoo career were very exciting and meant a lot to me. So I better slow down and see if I can remember some of the little instances that happened that made it so exciting. Well, one day, Tony the pilot was working and a, and a customer came in. The, the flash on the wall was just paper drawings with some acetate over it to keep them clean and some tacks to the wall. Anyway, this customer reaches up, pulls the sheet of designs off the wall, sits down by Tony the Pirate, puts a gun on the table, and says, I want this tattoo here, and do it good, kid. Tony got mad, he got up, he walked over to Paulie sitting in the doorway, and proceeded to hit Paulie, knocking Paulie off the chair on the ground. Blackie jumps up and says, what the fuck, are you crazy? What are you hitting Paulie for? He said, Paulie, let this guy in. This guy's threatening me with a gun, do a good job. Blackie said, Jesus Christ. I was there, wasn't even working there a couple of weeks. One day Blackie says, come here. He said, sit down here in my chair. He took my arm and he wrote Crazy Eddie on my arm. He said, I was wrong. He said, I thought Tony the Pirate was crazy. He said, but you're the crazy one. I got to tell Tony to stay away from you. Blackie would walk around Coney Island with me, introducing me to everybody. He'd say, this is my new protege, Whitey. <coughs> we used to have a lot of laughs. Blackie would say to the customer, that's a six dollar tattoo. The customer said, I only got five. And he would look, look at me and wink and take the five and do it, he said. The next guy will charge seven to make it up, he said. Then he would laugh and he'd say, the next guy in here pays for our lunch. Lunch was very reasonable. 
Right down the street around the corner was the world famous Nathan's Hot Dogs. Hot Dogs, five cents a piece, six for a quarter. <clears throat> My father used to laugh and said he could feed a family of four for less than a dollar in Coney Island. Everything was a nickel. French fries were a nickel. Big glass of root beer was a nickel. Big, big watermelon was a nickel. Big spice of watermelon, pineapple, corn on the cob. Everything was a nickel. <laughs> One day, Brooklyn Blackie took me down to the valley to introduce me to Charlie Wagner, the most famous tattoo artist of all time. Charlie was an old guy, worked in the back of a barber shop. He had a toilet bowl he sat on, was his seat, under a stairway. <clears throat> he had a bucket of old rags that he used as tissues. Every, every tattoo was 50 cents, 50 cents. If you only had a quarter, he tattooed you smaller for a quarter. <clears throat> he was quite a character. He was sitting there, he had a little can of shoe polish and a little glass, what they call a grinder like, and he was putting a little water and a little alcohol in the shoe polish and grinding it with this little metal stirrer. Blackie says, what are you doing, Charlie? He said, I'm making black ink. Charlie says, come on, I'll buy you a bottle, Charlie. It's only a dollar. But that was Charlie Wagner. I only met him that one time. Then, then Blackie took me over to the, to the ink company that I mentioned earlier. The name of that company was Fernandy and Sparrow. Two little old men in a little, little store, and they had sacks and, and barrels of, of pigments, and a little scoop and a scale, and you could buy <coughs> two ounces, six ounces, from this tattoo color. Very reasonable. The most expensive color was the red, and that was $8 a pound. That was very expensive, we thought.